illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down and eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right half from the zone 25, goes back to throw and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right half. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, Ken into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Wojtnik, he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of Heiner Tailgaters. Recording this while firmly ensconced in Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef, planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. And tonight, I am going solo. That's right. Beej is on vacation. He is uh, somewhere, I believe, in Europe right now. I think he's... Uh, in landing in Paris, I can't remember. He's going to Europe. He's going to be gone for two weeks. He was in New York this morning, and I believe he is. Uh, if he's not in Europe right now, he should be there anytime. So uh, it's just me today. So we'll see how this goes. I've never done a show by myself, so we'll see how it works here. Now, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our inside experiences and passion for the Oregon State Beavers with others. And generally just talk beaver sports, football, tailgating, and have some fun along the way. Tonight, we actually have a little bit of listener feedback. We will do a little beaver sports news. I think we might have another update from Eugene on the way. We will go under further review with week number four in the Peak 12, Pac-12, excuse me. We'll hand out a Tommy Tupperville Jackass of the Week award. And we're going to preview the week five games. Um, like it will be a slightly shorter show since it's just me tonight. But uh, I just want to remind everybody, you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitcher Radio app or subscribe to us on iTunes. If you'd like to get in touch with us, there's a couple ways. You can email us, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter. Just look for at HeinrichTailgator. Also, check out the Heinrich Tailgator Facebook page. All right, so tonight, first up, is a little listener feedback. I got an email from listener Brian, and he asked, Do you think you could invite Carl Mazdam as a guest? He seems to have a great inside access for all beaver sports. Might get an inside view from the sidelines or the airplane or the women's basketball photo shoot. Well, Brian, that's a good question. I, I replied back to you and said, uh, An interview? Like, a legitimate interview? I'd, I'd have to get 
legitimate questions then too. And actually, uh, Carl is one of the main photographers uh, for the football team and the women's basketball team. Um, I think he might do some other sports too. Um, but uh, I, I've known Carl for quite a while. He, he's a little bit older than me, but uh, we went to the same church growing up and and we both worked at Woodstocks at different times and I worked with his older brother Eric for quite some time. So um, that might be something we look into. I know he's really busy this time of year with football and basketball and everything going on. But uh, I actually just saw him today. He was taking pictures of the uh, some of the football players at the Boys and Girls Club in Corvallis. They were uh, going in there to uh, play with the kids and, and do some stuff, and I saw him there. Didn't ask him because he was working. So, But uh, if I see him, I'll, uh, I'll ask him, Brian. We'll, we'll see what we can do. All right, it's time to move on to a little Beaver and Pac-12 news. First up, women's volleyball. Women's volleyball, one of Beach's favorite sports. Spurred on by a raucous beaver dam, the Oregon State volleyball team captured an epic third set and battled number 18 Oregon to the wire on Thursday before falling in four sets in the Beavers' home opener. Then the team fell in a three-set loss as 7th-ranked Arizona State Sun Devils from Wells Fargo Arena on Sunday. Now, the Oregon State volleyball team is 2-10 overall, 0-2 in the Pac-12, and returns home to Gill Coliseum next week for a pair of home Pac-12 matches. The Beavs host the Utah Utes at 6 p.m. on Friday, and the Colorado Buffaloes on Sunday at 11, with both matches set to appear on the Pac-12 networks. Now, as we've said in the past, uh, the Beavs need to start winning if they want to make the playoffs, uh, make the tournament. It's not looking good being at 2-10. and 10. They needed to really win a majority of their out-of-conference games, which they didn't, and then try to go 500 in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is, is just stacked with talent. Um, and it's it's going to be an uphill battle. Uh, it really looks like a couple of those seniors they lost last year, including Erica Nasser, really, really were key components in that team that did go to the playoffs. So. All right, up next is women's soccer. Junior Greta Espinoza scored her the first goal of her Beaver career, but the Oregon State women's soccer team could not overcome an early deficit as it fell to USC 2-1 Saturday afternoon in Los Angeles. Now, Oregon State is 4-2-3 overall, 0-1-0 in the Pac-12, and will return home Friday for the first time in over a month when they host Utah at Paul Lorenz Field. They haven't played a home game in a month. That just is crazy. Um, but uh, 0-1 in the pack, that's okay. 4-2-3 and overall. Um, need to win some Pac-12 games. And again, the Pac-12 is just so strong in so many sports um, that it's really tough for them uh, if they don't pick up some of these early wins to try and make the tournament. Next up, men's soccer. A sport that Beach is convinced is not a sport. Seattle University scored twice in the final 1 minute and 36 seconds to stun the number 10 Oregon State 2-1 on Sunday in OSU's final non-conference game of the season, the third consecutive one-goal loss for the Beavs. Now, OSU is 5-3-0 overall and begins Pac-12 conference play at 1.30 p.m. this Friday against UCLA in a game that will be televised by Pac-12 Networks. It concludes the weekend by hosting San Diego State at 1.30 on Sunday. Three one-goal losses. That stinks. Well, we'll see how far they uh, fall. The men were ranked number 10 last week, so we'll see where they end up, end up uh, 
for uh, this week. Moving on to wrestling. That's right, our first wrestling update of the year. The Oregon State wrestling team will complete and compete in all four time zones this season during an ambitious schedule that concludes with the NCAA championships in New York City. OSU begins a year 11 of the Jim Zaleski coaching era on November 8th at the annual Mike Clock Open at Pacific University in Forest Grove. The home opener is set for November 21st when the Beavers will host Utah Valley and Rutgers at Gill Coliseum. The Beavers will also host Clackamas Community College, Wyoming, Northern Colorado, Oklahoma, Air Force, and Boise State. The February 21st Boise State duel, OSU's final tune-up before the Pac-12 championships, will be televised by the Pac-12 network. The January 29th duel at Arizona State and the February 27th Pac-12 conference championships at ASU will also be televised. And if Beach was here, he would probably ask me how Oregon's wrestling team, what their schedule looked like for the upcoming season. And I would have to tell him that, yes, Oregon has still canceled wrestling. All right, up next is women's basketball. The 2015-2016 Oregon State women's basketball schedule will feature 18 television appearances, including games on ESPN2 and Fox Sports 1, the Pac-12 conference announced last week. The Beavs' first TV matchup of the season will come on December 3rd, when Oregon State travels to Marquette for a game that will air on Fox Sports 1. The Beavs will open will follow that up with its Pac-12 Network's debut when OSU faces off with Tennessee at 6 p.m. on Saturday, December 19th. Now, 16 of the Beavers' 18 Pac-12 games will be televised, with 15 of those coming on the Pac-12 Network. That's great. I think that's the best thing about Pac-12 networks is that we are getting so many sports on TV. Live college sports is always a good thing. And it's great to see some of these sports that don't usually get a lot of airtime, such as just men's and women's soccer, women's basketball. Uh, You'll see wrestling on there. It's just great to see all these sports getting airtime. Oh, 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 wait a minute. Beach gave me his Beach gave me his teletype and I think I hear it going. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. This just in. It seems that there's been a run on razor blades and Windex in Eugene and surrounding suburbs. Authorities are uncertain what is causing the frenzy, but people have been madly scraping and cleaning their rear windows on their cars and removing all decals. Nobody is sure when the pandemonium will end. Until then, razor blades and Windex are being rationed in the Lane County area. Huh, that's interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I guess maybe we'll see uh, fewer of those toilet seat decals on the back of people's cars. But who knows? You never know with those guys. They'll probably just get a different color. All right. It is now time to go under further review for week number four in the Pac-12. 
After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown! Okay, so heading into this week, the picks between Beej, Kyle, and myself. I hate you, Kyle. Are as follows. We were all tied at 24 out of the 35 games so far. And this week, we actually had a lot of movement. So, up first was the Friday night game, of course, the one that we were all interested in, Stanford at Oregon State. And, of course, like usual, we all picked Oregon State. Now, Stanford running back Christian McCaffrey ran for a career-high 206 yards and ended up 303 all-purpose yards for the Cardinal, which held just a 21-17 lead at halftime over the Beavs before a pair of third-quarter TDs. Oregon State true freshman quarterback Seth Collins hit Jordan Villeman with a 40-yard scoring pass to open the fourth quarter, and the Beavs pulled within 35-24, but Stanford answered with Barry Sanders' 65-yard TD run, and Oregon State couldn't catch up. So the Beavs did lose 42-24. And I tell you what, after that first half, where the Beavs kept it really damn close and only trailed 17-21, you know... I know I was feeling pretty good about the Beavs' chances at that point. But then the third quarter started, and a true freshman decided to try and return the opening kickoff out of about eight yards deep in the end zone, which wasn't good. And then two plays later, it was a high snap that Collins fumbled that Stanford recovered. Although the defense did keep Stanford out of the end zone, and from then Stanford missed the field goal. So you're still a little... A little uh, positive there. You think the Beavs can still come up, but they just do not have the the defensive horses to hang with Stanford at this point. Stanford is just a big physical team, and once they got two score lead on the Beavs, they just started punching them punching them in the nose every play. That's a very big, strong veteran team that the Beavs played, and and really hang hung with them. You know, at the end of the game, I was still pretty positive with with what I saw from the Beavs. I think quarterback Seth Collins has been making great strides every week. I really like where he's at. I mean, he threw for 275 yards and no interceptions against Stanford, which is a very, very good defensive team. And the Beavs rushed for over 100 against him. So I'm seeing positive gains every week out of that offense. And really, that defense... Had some good series of plays. You know, they just, at the end, were just worn down and and, and couldn't hang with Stanford physically towards the end. But the good news is, the Beavs have played the two most physical teams on their roster, Michigan and Stanford. And there's been improvement from that Michigan to Stanford game. The Beavs, you know, the Beavs kept punching. I mean, they they were getting wailed on, but they kept punching. They kept fighting. So that was good to see. But uh, I have to tell you what, I'm glad the Beavs have a week off to heal after that beating they got at the hands of of Stanford and uh, can get ready looking forward to uh, playing Arizona in two weeks. Also, too, just so everyone knows, that game has been announced and I believe it has been announced for... Two weeks, which will be 
October 10th, and I believe they play at 1 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Let me pull up the schedule here. And yes, 1 o'clock on Fox Sports 1 from Tucson. So that's good. We don't have to wait all night for the game. Um, that should give the beef some good uh, visibility there too. So we look forward to that. So none of us got the point there. All right, moving on. All the rest of the games were on Saturday. First up was Nickel State at Colorado. And all three of us took Colorado. Now, Colorado head coach Mike McIntyre's son, Jay, turned his first collegiate catch into a 38-yard TD in Colorado's 48 to nothing route of Nickel State. The sophomore wide receiver hauled in Cepho Lafau's pass along the Buffs' sideline, dodged two defenders at the 10, and darted into the end zone. Colorado's third-year head coach Mike McIntyre said, quote, Honestly, he got it from my dad. My dad played at the University of Miami, and my dad was extremely quick and fast. So he got that from there. And he got all his looks and all of his intelligence from his mom. <laughs> Which, I thought that was a pretty good pretty good quote from McIntyre. He hasn't, I haven't been one of his uh, biggest fans. I can't say I'm, he's my least, my most hated coach in the, in the uh, Pac-12. That would have to go to uh, Mr. Mike Leach. But uh, some of his sideline antics and carrying on does not play well in my book. But uh, Colorado, 3-1, and one, um, getting ready to head into Pac-12 play. Now, they did play an away game out of conference at Hawaii so they could play a fourth non-conference game. So they have, and that means two things. One, Colorado has no bye weeks this year. And two, because they've played a 13th game, they have to now win seven games to go to get to a bowl game. They can't just go 6 and 6. They have to go 7 and 6. So So there's that. Um it might be a little tough for them uh on the way out of here. We'll wait and see, but uh Colorado 3 and 1, uh best start they've had in some time and uh we'll see how it goes from here. All right, guys. Uh so all three of us got points on that. Up next, Cal at Washington. Cal quarterback Jared Goff, oh, and all three of us took Cal. Cal quarterback Jared Goff threw for 342 yards and a pair of TDs, and Cal held off Washington's second half rally for a 30-24 victory in the Pac-12 conference opener for both schools. Goff was 24-40 passing and had TDs of 28 yards to Bryce Treggs and 8 yards to Kenny Lawler. Matt Anderson hit three field goals, including a 37-yarder with 340 534 left to give the Bears a 30-21 lead. Now Washington got a 70-yard fumble return for a TD by Sidney Jones to cut the deficit to 27-21 late in the third, but the Huskies fumbled on their next possession in Cal territory and could not get any closer. So we all got a point on that. And uh, Cal, 4-0. Looking good, but uh, we'll start to see how things hit when they start hitting some of these... uh, some of these uh, other league games coming up here. All right. Next up was UCLA at Arizona. And we had a couple different picks on this one. Beege took UCLA. Kyle and I, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle and I took Arizona. 
Now, crisp on offense and opportunistic on defense, number nine UCLA staked its claim as the best team in the Pac-12 South Division by crushing number 16 Arizona 56-30 on Saturday night. True freshman quarterback Josh Rosen threw for 284 yards and two TDs on 19 of 38 passing. Now, running back Paul Perkins added 45 yards on the ground with three TDs. Now, the UCLA defense had trouble stopping the run without Miles Jack, who suffered a season-ending injury in practice this week, allowing Arizona to rush for 353 yards. Now, the Bruins made up for it by creating three turnovers. So, uh, Beach got the point there. Kyle and I did not. But uh, interesting thing, Miles Jack, who's arguably one of the best linebackers in the Pac-12, Probably the best defender for UCLA. Not only that, he's also an offensive weapon at times for UCLA. Suffered a season-ending injury in practice. So that's a big hit. There's some injuries piling up down there at UCLA. So we'll have to see uh, how they recover from that. And on Arizona's side of the ball, it was just announced today that Arizona... Linebacker Scooby Wright III suffered a sprained foot that is probably going to keep him out for four to six weeks, which means he will be missing the Beaver game in two weeks more than likely. So uh, injuries starting to add up for some of these teams. We'll see how they we'll see how they deal with things. I, I always tell people to be good in football, you need three things to have a successful football season. You need three things: one, you need to be good, obviously; two, you need to have that little bit of luck. No matter how good a team is, there's always that game where they need the ball to bounce their way or they need that little bit of luck to help them put them over the top. No matter how good they are, there's going to be that game. And the third thing is you got to remain relatively injury-free. And some of these schools are really racking up the injuries. So we'll have to wait and see. All right, up next, Utah at Oregon. And again, we had some separation on this. Beach took Utah. Kyle and I took Oregon. Utah quarterback Travis Wilson returned from a shoulder sprain and threw for 227 yards and four TDs in the Utes 62-20 win over the Ducks Saturday night. Now Wilson completed 18 of 30 passes, hitting nine receivers, and ran for 100 yards in another score for Utah. Now Wilson had sat out last week's victory over Fresno State. Now, Oregon hadn't lost so badly at home since falling 54 to nothing to Washington in 1977. Utah's 62 points were also the most scored against a Pac-12 opponent since joining the league in 2011, and also the most the Ducks have ever allowed at home. Now, Vernon Adams Jr. started at quarterback for Oregon despite a broken index figure that kept him out last week, but he didn't last long and was replaced by backup Jeff Locke in the second quarter. Now, Oregon's defense struggled. The unit went into the game ranked 105th among FBS programs for overall defense, allowing an average of 456.3 yards, and the Ducks' scoring defense was at 104th overall. Afterwards, their defense has fallen to 110th. Now, Adams struggled at quarterback, too, completing only two of seven pass attempts before being replaced. And I tell you what, as, as a Beaver fan who hates the Ducks and everything that athletic department stands for, I completely relished Saturday night. I hope everybody else did too. It was just a thing of beauty. Utah just waffle stomped them. Oregon's defense, 
I think their defense has had holes in the last couple years, but they've had a good play, couple good players here or there that they could use to cover it up. But right now they're getting no pass rush up front. They've got really no containment for the running game, and their DBs just are not capable of covering anybody right now. And, you know, we'll have to wait and see, but uh, Oregon has... Colorado coming up, and Cephalafau for Colorado loves to throw the ball. <coughs> Excuse me. And that Nelson Spruce, their wide receiver, who's their record-setting wide receiver down there, is really good, and I just have a feeling they might have a heyday. And then a week after that, they go up and play at the Palouse against Washington State. And it'll be just interesting to see how that game plays out. Because I'm afraid Luke Falk is going to throw for about 700 yards against those Oregon DBs if things don't change. So, anyways, for the week, Beach gets the point. Kyle and I do not. And last for the week, USC at Arizona State. Now, USC quarterback Cody Klessler threw for 375 yards and five TDs, and the Trojans capitalized on Arizona State's miscues to roll past the Sun Devils 42-12. Now, USC scored TDs after all four Arizona State turnovers in the, fourth, in the first half and led 35 to nothing at halftime. Now, ASU had the ball first and goal at the one early in the second quarter when quarterback Mike Bercovici fumbled trying to hand off. Now, Chris Hopkins scooped it up and ran 94 yards for the third of four second-quarter TDs for the Trojans. Kessler completed 19 of 33 passes, although a string of 103 passes without an interception dating to the final 12 passes of last season ended when Kareem Orr picked off an attempt at the Sun Devils' one in the first series of the game. Now, Berkovici was 23 of 44 for 272 yards, but 195 of those yards came in the second half when USC had the game in hand. So USC rebounded big time from that thumping at the hands of Stanford last week. And Arizona State is stumbling. They are 2-2 two and two overall and really not playing well at all. Um, you know, they were picked as one of the top teams in the South and you know, I think they might they might be the worst team right now in the in the in the Pac-12 South. Um, I would probably take Colorado over Arizona State at this point. All right, so none of us got the point there. So after week four, the totals are Kyle at 26 out of 41. I too have 26 out of 41, and Beege pulling back in the lead with two. At 28 out of 41. All right. So let's look at the Pac-12 and the polls right now. The polls came out just the other day. And in the AP poll, UCLA has moved up to number 7. Utah has moved up to number 10. And also received one first place vote. USC has climbed up a little bit to 17. Stanford has climbed back in after that week one debacle against Northwestern is back up to number 18. And Cal has entered officially at number 24. And Oregon and Arizona are in the others receiving votes category. Now in the USA Today coaches poll, 
UCLA is at number 10. Utah at number 12. USC at 16. Stanford in 20. Cal and Oregon are at number 24. And Arizona is in the others receiving votes category. Now, it just came out this week that Oregon falling out of the AP poll is the first time since 2009 that Oregon has not been ranked in the top 25. A streak of 98 consecutive polls where they've been in the top 25. And uh, I think it's going to take some major work for Oregon to end the season in the top 25 poll. But uh, long way to go. We're only a third of the way there. So uh, we'll see how things play out. All right. Up next is Beej's favorite segment of the week, the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? Jackass of the Week Award. And every week, we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. Now, this one goes out today to an actual player. And it's kind of a jackass move, but being as he's a, a player, it's more of a bonehead move. Now, Notre Dame Reserve defensive tackle Jay Hayes did not travel with the team for last Saturday's game against Massachusetts. After the sophomore criticized the coaching staff on Twitter earlier in the week, head coach Brian Kelly said last Thursday. Now Hayes, who hasn't played this season, took to social media on Wednesday to air his frustrations. Quote, when a coach stops coaching you, that's when you just got to move on, Hayes tweeted. Got to get this natty and I'm out. Those tweets have since been deleted. Now Colt Kelly told reporters on Thursday, quote, you have to think before you hit send. And what you have to do is knock on my door instead of hitting the send button. If he has a job at Google and talks about his boss that way, he's probably not going to have a job the next day. You just tell them, look, you need to make a better decision next time or it's going to impact when you leave here. He won't be on the travel roster this week for that mistake. Well, yes, he did not travel. And, you know, we'll wait and see if uh, he does travel in the future. And I, I just don't know what sometimes these people are thinking. You do have a freedom of speech, but there's going to be implications of things you say. You can't take to social media and basically talk about your superiors that way and not expect some kind of retribution or fallout from it. Um, (laughs) To me, that's just silly. And anymore, major college programs and employers have people that monitor those social media streams. So they're going to find out. Anyways, so Jay Hayes, this week's Tommy Tupperville Jackass of the Week Award. Is for you. Now on the flip side of this is an interesting tweet from the one and only Nick Fury slash Mace Windu slash Jules Winifield himself, Samuel L. Jackson. Now, Samuel L. Jackson has been a lifelong sports fan. But it's probably safe to say that the Oregon Ducks don't rank high on his list of favorite teams. Now, after the Ducks dropped out of the AP Top 25 for the first time since 2009 season, following their 62-20 thumping from the Utah Utes, 
The Oscar-nominated actor had a few thoughts on that team out of Eugene. His tweet read, quote, So I'm guessing Oregon's ranking by reputation is coming to an end. Hashtag rude awakening. Now Jackson lives in Los Angeles, but he attended Morehouse College, which isn't exactly an Oregon rival. But given his recent tweet, it seems safe to say that the Pulp Fiction actor has no problem when it comes to striking down upon Oregon with great vengeance and furious anger. I know that was cheesy, but I had to throw it in there. Just thought it was funny that uh, Samuel Jackson tweeted that. No love for the Ducks, which I don't blame him because I don't love those bastards either. All right. Up next is our Guns N' Roses musical interlude. Now, last week, Beads threw out a little trivia thing out there, a little trivia question, and it said that um, some lyrics from this week's song could be found in the liner notes of the album that came out before the album that this song is on. So it was actually on Appetite for Destruction. If you look inside there you'll see some just random lyrics written at the bottom of the liner notes. And it says, With your bitch slap rapping and your cocaine tongue, you get nothing done. And those were lyrics from the song, You Could Be Mine, which was on the Use Your Illusion 1 album. It was also on the Terminator 2 soundtrack. Now, Guns N' Roses has done this several times, sticking in lyrics from songs from their next album. Um, They did it on the Illusion albums. There's lyrics from uh, one of the cover songs on the Spaghetti Incident is in there. So, uh, just something they do. I don't know why they did it. I don't know. I've never read a reason why they did it, but I know it's something that I noticed and pointed it out to Beej, and so he kind of threw that there as trivia question. That being said, nobody chose to answer the trivia question, so we're not giving out anything. We're keeping it all ourselves. But, uh, Right now, enjoy You Could Be Mine from Guns N' Roses.
That was You Could Be Mine from User Illusion 1 by Guns N' Roses. All right, hope you enjoyed it. Love that song. I uh, love the video for it with Arnold walking around the uh, Guns N' Roses concert and stuff. My uh, senior year in high school right there, right after I got done graduating, that was there. That had come out. All right, up next is the Week 5 preview in the Pac-12. Now, as we're going through this, Beej is in transit, and that bastard has not texted me nor emailed me his picks. So I'm going to stay on him until he gives them to me. But I do have Kyle's picks, and actually next week, instead of me doing the solo, I'm going to see if Kyle, I hate you Kyle, see if Kyle would like to sit in at the co-host seat and uh, take a shot with me. So Kyle, if you're out there and you hear me, let me know if you want to uh, sit in the co-host seat next week. We can uh, record about we'll record Monday night and get this thing posted on Tuesday, if you're interested. But right now, it is week three or week five in the Pac-12. Um, the Beavs have a bye week, which is good, like I said, so they can recover from that beatdown they suffered. And uh, all four games, only four Pac-12 games this week, a lot of teams on bye weeks, all four games are Sunday, October 3rd or Saturday, October 3rd. So first up is Arizona at number 18, Stanford. Now Kyle said, the Wildcats are left wondering what happened with another loss. Stanford wins. So Kyle takes Stanford. I too am taking Stanford. I think Stanford's going to win the uh, North. Um, I think they do have one more loss coming somewhere along the way. But I think right now they're in the catbird seat to win the North. And uh, Arizona is just not very good defensively. And I think uh, without Scooby Wright that he hurts them even more. So I, too, am taking Stanford. Next up on the docket, Arizona State at number 7, UCLA. Now Kyle says, my guts say UCLA wins, though my guts are usually full of crap. Which is true. Um, I think Arizona State is just horrible. And I think UCLA has too much talent, even with all the injuries they've suffered before. So I, too, am taking UCLA. All right, third game on the docket to uh, this weekend. Washington State at number 24, Cal. Kyle says, Leach thinks about implementing a stone run game, but instead sticks to his trusted plan of quick passes and losing scores. Cal wins. Nice little sticks and stones there, Cal. Or Kyle. I, too, am taking Cal. I just don't think... Uh, I, I, I think Cal's probably right now the second-best team in the North to Stanford, and I think that'll be a great big game coming up um, in about a month and a half. Interested to see those two teams playing. So it looks like Kyle and I are right there on the way down. Next up, Oregon at Colorado. Kyle says, Colorado has a better record but the Ducks win. Kyle is taking Oregon. I really think Colorado has gotten to be a better football team. But I still don't know at this point if they have enough horses to win. And they really just haven't beaten anybody. I'm going to have to take Oregon, too. Colorado's 
three and one, but I think that's a little bit of an illusion. Nickel State sucks, and so I just we'll wait and see. Alrighty, so it looks like Kyle and I are all the same. We're right down the list there, and I will get Beej's picks here, and we'll add them in. Now, last week I was remiss; we forgot to add Beej's cheaters and horrors into the end of the show. So he still has those. He still has that cheaters and horrors kept, and so the next time he is on in a couple weeks, he will revisit that cheaters and horrors. And I think this is actually going to do it for show number 63 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to send a comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there's a few ways to get in touch with us. Email us, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at HeinrichTailgator. And also check out HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Remember, you can listen and subscribe to us again on iTunes. Please leave a review on iTunes. And you can also listen to us on the Stitcher Radio app on your iPhone or Android device. Um, Next week will be show number 64, and hopefully I will have a co-host. We'll have Kyle on. Um, We'll recap week five in the Pac-12. We'll look forward to week six, and uh, we'll talk a little more Beavers and Pac-12 news. All right, we're going to end that this show with a great big Go Beavs.